Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, headmaster of Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Accord of Three Strands. So, Mr. Young, we've talked about theological virtues, intellectual virtues, and now we come in today's episode to the moral virtues. Can you tell us what these are? Oh, yeah, sure. So we talked about theological virtues. This is God imparting to us um, these virtues of faith, hope, and love, right? It, it orients us towards God, and it's only a, a, a believer you know, who, who receives the Holy spirit that really able to have these theological virtues they're, they're given. Right. Um, so it helps us to have faith in God's word, to hope in his promises and to seek to love God above all things. The intellectual virtues then we, we talked about as um, in, in our, the way we're talking about them mm-hmm. again, I know I've said this a lot of times, but I, I always get nervous. Like people are going <laughs> to listen and go, but wait about it. What about Aristotle or Aquinas or whatever? You know, what we're looking at is, uh, and the way we want to talk about them are um, knowledge, understanding, wisdom. And we spoke of that as these are, these are um, virtues of the human mind that can apprehend truth, that can um, understand the essence of reality. Um, we can uh, derive truth from truth. And then, of course, with wisdom, we can um, properly order those truths, you know, so we can have a particular values, um, one thing over another. Um, it's, a, it's a theoretical kind of wisdom. Well, today we're going we're gonna to talk about the cardinal virtues. And the cardinal virtues have to do, or moral virtues, it's the same, same thing. And it, it has to do with the will, right? So this has to do with action, right? Yeah. Acting, acting rightly. So there's a sense that we need to kind of get up front. So when we're talking about virtues and the kind of people, you know, we are as Christians, and we understand that we are created and placed in a particular position in this world, in this universe, that means we have obligations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we talk about a virtuous person um, in, in terms of the moral virtues, it has to do with a correspondence to doing the right thing. And that is um, living according to the obligations that God has given to you. And so we have various obligations that relate to God. We have various relationships that you know, or uh, um, obligations that are to other people. Right? to our parents, to our neighbor, to our enemy, even um, to our employer, to our employee, to our uh, 
spouse, to our children, right? There, there's all these obligations that has been, been placed on us. And the idea of a good life, that is one that's going to produce a blessedness or a happiness, um, comes when a person fulfills these obligations, that does well with these obligations. And so the first of the, so these, these moral obligations, these cardinal obs, uh, virtues, I'm sorry, the, the, these moral virtues, we look at them as four. Prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Okay. So the way we define it, and by we, I'm saying Mr. Young, and that, <laughs> that settles it. So this, <laughs> so by, by we, I'm saying this, this is kind of how Palatine Institute, we, we talk about it. It's kind of how we talk about it at Providence Academy. And is it, you know, the total sum of all knowledge regarding these virtues? No, but I think it's um, specific enough that it's easily understood and we can talk about it. So it gives us a common language to, to talk about these things. So prudence, we look at as knowing the right thing to do. Justice is doing the right thing. Fortitude is doing the right thing despite your fear. And temperance is doing the right thing despite your desire to do other things. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the simple way that we talk about the moral virtues. So. Let's dive into prudence. Well, first of all, before we dive into prudence, moral or cardinal virtues, what's the better term and why do we say cardinal? Oh, sure. So cardinal just has has to do with like, um, you know, primary. Okay, sure. (laughs) The primary virtues. Um, It it has to do again with the the will. And uh, and so we they're interchangeable. Moral or cardinal virtues are the are the same. We're going to call them moral virtues. How does that sound? That's good. That's moral virtues. Moral virtues. There we go. So, you know, today we're diving into to prudence. So, I mean, a simple question. What what exactly is prudence? Excellent question. Once again, Noah, <laughs> prudence is prudence is um, what we'd say practical wisdom. Uh, a prudent person is able to apply moral principles uh, to concrete particular situations. Right. So it's one thing to, um, you know, know what is right and wrong or what your obligations are. It's another thing to kind of navigate an actual situation. Does that make yeah. sense? Um, not, not everything in, that we experience is so concretely black and white that we easily know what we ought to do. But a prudent person has that ability to, to know what they ought to do. We say that prudence is a virtue of knowing the right thing to do and, and Aquinas, just for you, all those who you're waiting for me to talk about Aquinas, he, he says, you know, it's it's the part of a wise man to order and to judge. And that's the idea of, of a prudent person, that they're able to order things, to order life, to order how they're supposed to do things because they know what they ought to do and to judge because they they have this this virtue of practical wisdom. So we we can't. This is going to sound really weird. then. <clears throat> I can't teach uh, prudence. I, I can't teach you how to be prudent, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's something that you, uh, you practice. It, it's like a, it's like a habit. Um, and, and, and to make things even more complicated here, there are different, different kinds of prudence. Um, so it, depending on the circumstances. So again, as Aquinas, cause I want to throw him out there once again, 
the, the prudence whereby a man rules himself differs from the prudence whereby a man governs a multitude and differs too, depending upon the kind of multitude and what they're gathered together for. So uh, Thomas, again, military prudence, which governs an army gathered together to fight, which is distinct from a domestic prudence whereby a home or a family is governed. Okay. So there's multiple kinds of prudence depending on the circumstance or the, the type. And again, it's something that can't be taught, mm. right? It, it, it's something that becomes a, an habitual thing. And uh, at Providence Academy, we're, we're primarily concerned with students being able to rule themselves. I think yeah. that may, and we're not teaching them how to rule an army, right? right? We, but how to rule themselves. And so they, they have a lot of opportunities since they're here, you know, many hours a, a day, five mm-hmm. days a week, they have lots of opportunities to learn how to govern themselves. And so we, we as teachers and, and uh, administrators then help guide and direct their behavior and, and try to, I guess, help them habituate themselves to doing the right thing. Um, and in so doing, then they kind of figure out more and more what the right thing to do is. Um, mm. But we, but we have all sorts of things that try to help them think through things. Right. It, it, is prudence. I mean, I don't want to say prudence isn't common sense, right? Like it's much deeper than that. It is. It's, it's deeper than that because um, life gets complex. Right. Right. So common sense is necessary. I, I would say that common sense is someone who's, who has good intellectual virtues. Right. So a common sense person kind of knows what a woman is, <laughs> right? A common sense person knows that, um, yeah, a woman has a right to it's, it's her, her body. Right. And she has a bodily autonomy at the same time, a common sense person says that's a baby in you and that's a different person. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so in order to make good judgments, you have to have, you have to have good intellectual virtues. And then in the particular situation that, that, a person is in, then it's applying that into practical wisdom. So it's, it is, there is a a bit to say about common sense. It's good, but it's, it's even more than that. And again, it's going to, it's going to differ as you get older, as your life becomes more complex, as you gain more responsibilities, different types of prudences, prudences, prudences. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Different types of prudences. So, so how we do it, I guess, is, or, or the best way I can explain what we want to do is that there are, there are, um, we talk at Providence again as there's being three kind of quasi integral parts of prudence. In other words, if you broke down prudence into its three main mini virtues, um, we, we call them docility, circumspection, and foresight. Docility, circumspection, and foresight. So, uh, docility to be a docile person. I know in today's age, age, when we hear a docile person, we think of a sheep, right? We mm-hmm. think of that they're they're easily misled or something, right? But that's that's not the original idea of of the virtue of docility. So to be a docile person means um, that they are teachable, mm. right? So so that's not passive. Okay, being docile is not being passive. It is a, a way in which you are putting yourself into a position to receive from a teacher what they're teaching. And then by an act of your will, then learning it. 
Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. A, t- a teacher cannot make a student learn. Only a student is able to learn. Yeah. A teacher can't make them. A student has to be willing. Right. And that willingness, again, remember the moral virtues have to do with, with the will. So a student, a student needs to be, uh, to put themselves in a position of being ready to learn, to be docile and to learn what they, what needs to be taught. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now this is important because if you are any kind of, think of a, uh, Think of a kindergartner, right? What's expected of a kindergartner? I mean, uh, that they'll do what they're told, essentially, right? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, they have to learn obedience. They have yeah. to learn, um, and and they have to. We want them to learn their their letters and their numbers. They we want them to start to learn to read that type of thing. It's really not much involved with being a five year old kindergartner, mm-hmm. right? The the prime virtue. So so thinking about a kindergartner. Or, or a young ch- child, say pre-K to, to two second grade, I have no expectation for them to be this incredibly prudent person, right? I'm not going yeah. to rely on their judgment <laughs> to, to do the right thing. What, what they need to learn to do is to be obedient, right? Yeah. So they need to be, they need to be at a position where they can be taught, you know, teachable, that this is the thing to do at this time. This is the thing to do at this time, right? So when you're going from your, your class, our classroom outside, you're responsible for the prudent thing is to be quiet in the hall, to not talk and disrupt the others. Mm-hmm. I don't expect that six-year-old to come up with that on their own. Yeah. I, I expect them to learn it because a teacher has told them this is the right thing to do. And so they're going to do it. That's the prudent thing. And so they go. And then you can remind them they're talking because, you know, that's what they're apt to do because they're children. And, and you say, Johnny, you're in the hall. What are you supposed to do? I'm supposed to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you should be quiet. And, and right. So they right. don't have to come up with some judgment. They just know what's right or right because they've been told or taught that. that I mean, but that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's, the, that's kind of like the first step. So we, this is something that we're, we're really big on. And please, uh, parents at home, uh, parents at home, <laughs> what would be really helpful is as we work together is that that's one of your chief ends too, is you're teaching your children how to be docile, to be teachable and to tell them what they ought to do. Right. Yeah. And, and expect that they do it. And that, that pattern of listening and obeying is a habit that's being formed and they're learning through this process and of how to make their own judgments. Now, if, if we have a seventh grader, for instance, seventh grader, yeah, um, I still teach them and tell them what they ought to do, but the, the rules are becoming a little more broad and they're old enough to have, make some judgments. And, and the hope is, I have a higher expectation of a seventh grader to do the right thing than I do a second grader. Right. Yeah. But, but now they have a little more freedom to choose what they're going to do or how they're going to apply these things in their circumstances. In other words, if, if I'm still teaching my seventh grader uh, or, or teaching them um, in these areas of prudence, what you should do. And I'm, and I'm becoming very specific and I'm teaching them like they're still five years old. 
they're going to rebel. Yeah. I guarantee you they're going to rebel. <clears throat> Again, parents at home, <laughs> please don't teach your, treat your seventh graders like they're in kindergarten. Well, it, and, and DOS, yeah. just so docility is yes. something that, you know, typically works well when you uh, introduce it to your children at a young age, right? Yes. 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 The, the older you get, the harder it is. The harder it is to teach docility, the older you are. Right. right. And, and for a student, and cause I've encountered many of them in my times, like when I was a youth pastor, um, you know, or doing young life, some kids who have never been taught what they ought to do. Um, and they, they've never been suffered any consequences for their own misdeeds or whatever. Um, tr trying to get them to, to learn anything is, is crazy. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I'll just put it this way. One of the turns that have ha has happened in America at, at one point, we all understood back to common sense, right? We all had common sense and knew that you had to be strict with young kids so that they can not be um, monsters when they're older. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, you, you expected that when you said something, your children would obey you the first time. Mm -hmm. So, so if I have a, if I have a two-year-old, they, sh and I tell them to do something, they need to do it on the first time. Right now, now, when you talk about this, that sounds unusual. In fact, what's funny is, is like when, you know, Wendy and I taught our kids in that way, right? You, you, we tell you, you have to be, when your mom and dad's talking to you, you need to be docile, right? You need to be listening and we're going to tell you what to do and you need to obey. And if you don't obey, right, you're sinning because that's a sin, by the way. Again, parents, mm -hmm. when your children aren't obeying you on the first time, they're sinning. When they're not obeying you on the second time, they're still sinning. When they're not obeying the third time and then you blow up and, and explode at them, then you're sinning. Right. Yeah. We shouldn't have sin. Yeah. We should be teaching them. What I have to say, Mr. Them. Young, I have to say, yes. Yeah. Finish I, your thought. Yeah. Uh, just finish your thought. My, my thought is this is, is if, if we're, if we're teaching in that way where we're not demanding them to obey because it's the right thing to do prudence, right? Yeah. Cause that's what God commands of children is to honor their parents and to be obedient to them. Yeah. We're allowing them to sin and we're allowing them to be the, the master. They're not being docile. They're, they're just trying to be, they're learning how to be sneaky. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Right there. If, if, if they realize they can get away with not obeying the first time or the second time, or they're learning that I can get away with whatever I want, as long as mom or dad doesn't get mad, they just learn to be sneaky. They're not learning to be just, they're not learning to be good or righteous. They're learning to be sneaky. Yeah. And, and, and we, so we have to be at a young age, start teaching them to be docile so that they can be prudent. Now, now I'm going to, I know you have a question for me, but but I just want to, I just want to point this out Yeah. because I'm on a roll here. I, <laughs> that what happens is then is if we're not, if we're not thinking about that at, when they're young and teaching them mm. to, to be docile, to be obedient, to, to, to obey you. And, and they're just becoming sneaky. They become less and less capable of it as they get older. Yeah. And, and so here's what happens. Here's what happens they're not learning how to have practical wisdom because they've never learned docility. Um, they're learning to be sneaky. And so all sorts of mischief happens. 
And so, you know what the results of that is, is people in authority whose society has kind of gone out of control. Yeah. Is they substitute human beings, practical wisdom and common sense with laws and rules. And that's a miserable place to live. If people don't know how to live responsibly, if they don't know how to do what they ought to do, because they haven't been taught by the older generation, um, then things get a little out of hand. And what happens is, is that what, what takes place of this freedom in a, in a society live, you know, with responsible people is you have an, an abundance of rules over rules over rules. And then the people in charge and the people, you know, the employee, the, the employers and the politicians, it all becomes a game in which they're trying to figure out how to get around the rules because remember they're sneaky. Yeah. And, and that becomes the game is here are the rules. How can we get around it to do what we want? Yeah. Rather than understanding the obligations we have to society, obligations we have to our employees, obligations we have to citizens, obligations to our neighbors and, and seeking to be wise. We, we simply try to legislate morality and, and the very people who are trying to legislate morality are the same ones trying to sneak around it for their own benefit. Yeah. I'd hate to live in that kind of society. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So no, that, that was, per, that perfectly ties into my, my comment is, you know, the more, the more that I do these podcasts with you, Mr. Young, the more that I realize how pivotal uh, a child's early years are to the rest of their life. You yes. know, like I always used to think in my, you know, how would I know I'm not a parent, you know, Oh, nothing really happens until they're in middle school or high school. Right. <laughs> but no, it's, it truly is a domino effect because yeah. if you have somebody who uh, was not trained in docility in their early years, uh, you know, I don't want to say they're too far gone, but man, is it difficult to yeah. correct them when yeah. they're in high school. Yeah. And, and what happens is, and, and here's the, the plain thing is by the time they're in high school, there is nothing anyone can do. The only person that can change it around or turn around is the, the teen is that person. Yeah. They have to decide to be responsible for them, themselves and their own learning, et cetera. There's, there's, you, you just, you can't do anything. Right. So, so it's, it's one of those things where um, you, you, you gotta, you gotta start them early and, and train and pray. Right. Yeah. And um, this isn't like, like if you're hearing me and you're going, man, I've been really messing up with my kids. Right. Exactly. What you've described Mr. Young is we, we don't demand obedience and now it's, it's crazy. And my, my, all my kids are rebellious. Well, pray, repent, Talk to your kids about your own repentance and then uh, start again, demanding that they obey and just and keep going and tell them you love them. And this is why I'm doing this right there. It's not too late. It's just hard. Yeah. The, the, the wait longer we wait, the harder it is. And sometimes it's like you say, it feels like it's too far gone. So the, the second part, I mean, so docility circumspection is the virtue of taking into account all relevant circumstances circumspection, right? So you, you, um, so I, I don't expect again, like a third grader to be able to account for all the circumstances mm -hmm. in their situation to make a wise judgment, right. To, on what they ought to do, to know what they ought to do. Yeah. Um, that just takes time, but, and, and, and it also takes their own habituations. 
sometimes it takes, right? You, you tell them, no, you can't do it that way. You have to do this, but I want to do it. This, this is the way I want to do it. This is, this is the right way. No, 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 no. Right. And so then they go and they do this thing that they want, they thought they knew best anyway. And it just blows up in their face. You know why? Because they, they didn't account for what other people would think of them or what, you know what I mean? There, yeah. There's a domino effect too, with, with, with different decisions that you make and they didn't account for those things. Well, once it blows up in their face, now it becomes a teachable moment. They can go, okay, well, you you didn't consider this, right? Right. And and that's a hard thing, you know. It, it you you get into different circumstances that you're unaware of, and you're not even sure what the circumstances are. We we used to talk about, um, you know, in leadership class, we talk about, you know, there are the things that you don't know, and you know that you don't know them. That's not scary. What's scary is not knowing the things you don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the scary thing. Cause you want to be able to count for circum all the circumstances, but there are certain, you, you might not know what those are. This is why it's so important to be docile because if you're a docile person, you ask for help. Right. Right. That's why it's important. We're I've been talking with a group from Nina about starting a classical Christian school up in Nina. If you didn't know, there's classical Christian school that's going to be starting up at Nina. So if you're in that area, that's you awesome. know, e email me or something like that. I can get you a hold of the, the, the folks up there. But that, that was one of the questions they had for me was about the board. Like we want, there's, we want people that have knowledge of things that, you know, someone in, it's an accountant that knows how to deal with accounting yeah. principles. Like, so I, I know how to look at a budget and figure out a budget and, you know, how to look at my money. Right. Yeah. But when you're running a school and you have like a cruel accounting where things are, it's just weird. Like I, I don't get it. Right. Like I, I don't get, I need help. I can't, I can't do that on my, I need, I need help. So a, a, someone who's not docile, who doesn't think of the other circumstances, right? Like the, like the board's looking for someone accounting. They want to, be great to have a, a lawyer or someone like that on the, the school board. It would be great to have someone who's uh, in business and has used to HR policy, you know, all these yeah. different things where they have an expertise that they're kind of bringing in so that, it, it, you know, whoever their head of school is or their headmaster is, they, they're not going to know everything, but you have people that can help right with, with that. Right. right. So, so a docile person is going to, to look for help. And part of that help is this circumspection. Yeah. I can't, if I'm going to know the right thing to do, I need to know all the circumstances related to it and what, what, what ought to be. Yeah. Right. And again, there's different, different prudences for different things. So, you know, in, in running a school, it's a particular prudence uh, running a, you know, a, a basketball team. It's a different kind of prudence. Yeah. And, and some of it is knowing this, the circumstances and, and stuff in which you're making these decisions. The other, the third one was foresight, the virtue of knowing the future consequences of a current decision. Now, knowing might be a little strong of a term, but you can have a pretty good guess, right? Yeah. You could, you, you have to think, okay, if I do this, then what? Right. What's the, what's the consequence of me acting this way? Or what's the, what's the circumstance of me uh, the consequence of me not acting, right? Yeah. Even again, I don't expect little kids to have any foresight whatsoever, but I expect by the time they're in like high school that they would. Yeah. Right. And so part of this is kind of talking about it. This is one of the greatest things about being in classical Christian school is you get to read great literature and a lot of things 
what you, what you can see in great literature are people making mistakes yeah, and yeah. overcoming them. Right. You could, one of, one of my favorite questions, I think this was Andrew Kern mentioned this from Cersei, um, but asking as a student, what should they have done? Right. Mm. So, so you see something that's clearly a, a blunder, like they, oh, they yeah. blew it here and just ask them, well, what should they have done? Yeah. Right. And that, that just, that kind of questioning when you're looking at it, whether it's in scripture, whether it's in a, in a book that you're reading, helping students to think through what that character who's not them, what they should have done and what the, the consequence, how that would have changed those consequences that you see in the book um, that, that helps them gain prudence. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it helps them with that thinking process. So when we look at the stages of development, they, they kind of match. So that early grammar, you know, pre-K through second, we talked a lot about docility. That's very important. Prince that stage is basically obedience and they should be able to, uh, they should be teachable and they should obey. The upper grammar, that's like third grade through ninth grade. What they're learning there is circumspection. They're, okay. they're learning, they're learning more and more about um, the different circumstances and how to account for those circumstances beyond just their immediate desires. Right. So, so it's, it's like, um, you know, uh, I really, really want to eat this. No, you, it's, it's almost dinner time. Like, I don't know. I can't, if I had a nickel for every time my mom told me that right when I was young, um, because I was always hungry, (laughs) but you know, the idea is if I eat junk food because I'm hungry for a snack and dinner's around the corner, what that's going to do is then I'm not going to eat as much of the good food. Right. So I'm filling my body with junk food and not with, right. So, so I, I'm not, I, I don't see the, I'm not aware of the circumstance of the timing, nor am I understanding the foresight of what the consequence of. Now, if you did that once in a blue moon, it's not a big deal. But if that's a regularly occurring thing, it's going to have negative consequences for my my health. Yeah. Right. So so in, in that that third grade to ninth grade, you're it's really about them developing a greater understanding of the circumstances around them to be able to be aware of, of other people, be aware of like, like, here's a big one. When kids are starting to go through puberty, they become idiots. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'll repeat that. When kids are starting to go through puberty, they become idiots. In, In other words, they are completely clueless as to how they're coming across to other people. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Except for their friends, they care about that. And so, you know, you'll, you'll hear reports as a parent, you'll hear, Oh, your, your son or your daughter, they're so great. You know, but at home, they're like, they're, they, they look at you like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, dad, you know, they they, they get, they get mad because you said no about something that's obviously a no to every human being that's older than like 16, but but you know, they're 14 and no better. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. it's just crazy. But, but this is the, these, these are the teachable moments, right? And it usually it happens when there's a mistake. Um, and, and what we want to do is, is talk about it. So, so the unfortunate thing is, is in a lot of places, whether it's at school or at home, um, we don't like to talk through things. It's basically here's a standard of my expectations and you've blown it. So I'm not going to allow you to try again because you've blown it and shown that you're irresponsible or 
you've sinned and that's boom. And that, you know, now that those privileges are gone. Well, that's not teaching anyone. Right. That's not te- right. You, yeah, there might be negative consequences that you enforce on your child for some, uh, for, for a poor decision or for a sinful decision. But what's, what's even more important is to talk through it. Like, so why, why did you do this? How did this, right. And talk about the circumstance, like teach them. Yeah. Right. right. We want, we want children to be taught about why this didn't work out. Why, why did this go badly? Why is so-and-so mad at you? Right. And, and talk through it so that they can learn from it and then grow in, in that area of circumspection. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So, so the, 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 the thought is, is, is um, at an early age, it's really great. And this, this, the hard part is, is it takes time. And for parents, we get very impatient, right? Yeah. But to be able to take the time to talk to their children and listen to them in a way that they understand you're trying to help them and not simply to bust them. Is that right, Sam? Yeah. Right. I'm not trying to, it's like, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Boom, boom. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think we, as parents, we look at, we look at the, the training of our children in one way. And that is how we punish them when they disobey or when they do something wrong. Right. And right. so everything becomes that, that hammer. But when we're training anyone, right. In anything, yeah. it's more than, it's more than punishment, right? You, you have to, you have to teach, you have to coach, you have to encourage, you have to, you, you know what I mean? You have to go over things, right? Yeah. So as a football player, you, you always watch film. Well, why do you watch film? That, that happened in the past, right? Can't we just move on? Yeah. No, we have to, we have to look and see what our mistakes were and learn from them and, and look at what, what happened that was good and yeah. learn from them. Yeah. Right. So, so if you think about it as a, as a parent teaching your children in terms of decisions that they're making, that is knowing the right thing to do. We, we have to teach, we have to coach, we have to help them develop that circumspection. The third one is foresight. Right. So foresight is that that idea of of uh, kind of anticipating the end, like the what the future results or consequences of that is. And that's really a rhetoric age. That's that's a 10th through 12th thing. It's really difficult for a student um, below that age, you know, grade 10. Yeah. To have a, a an idea of future. Right. They, it, it's just a hard it's just a hard concept. Right. Right. So even. And if you're a parent listening and you have older kids, you know that sometimes when you start bringing up the future <laughs> the kid, to kids, they, they, they either, um, they either don't care at all or they start freaking out. Right. It, it's really 10th, 11th grade is really about them taking time and being serious, thinking through future things. Yeah. They still might freak out, but it's a little different, yeah. <laughs> you know, but but um, we want them to learn how to take an account what's what in your decision making and deciding what you do, what the future consequences are going to be. Yeah. Right. And, and again, prudence is doing the right thing. And that's going to be despite what anticipated negative circumstances are going to be. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So part of it is preparing our kids. You have to make some tough decisions. And part of that tough decision is, is that you're not going to be able to do everything. Right. Right. And in our world, what is it called? FOMO? Fear of missing, missing out. out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. That, that just, 
kids today are just that that's that's so potent yeah. fear of missing out. Yeah. And so what they, they want to do is not make any decisions about anything because they're afraid if they make any decision, they're going to miss out on other things. And that's, that's a horrible way to live. Yeah. And, and so you have to work it out with your children about you can't, no one can ever do it all. Yeah. You have to be able to make priorities and be able to, does that make sense? Yeah. Now, now think about talking to a, an eighth grader about that. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like pulling teeth. You just have to tell them, no, we're doing this because this is the important thing. Right. Now, once they're in 10th grade, now we're having a discussion because what you want is their agency to be part of the discussion. Right. Right. In eighth grade, I still got to tell them to shut up. You're doing this because this is the right thing. Yeah. Right. But 10th grade, I, I want to know their opinion and we want to work it out. Yeah. Right. Some of the, some of the big battles you'll have as a parent is going to be trying to get kids to have foresight before they can. Okay. They, they just not, it's just a, it's just hard for them to have that uh, as a, as a capability until their brain has kind of made this other switch. Like so, about the time they have a driver's license, they have a little bit better time thinking about future consequences. So does that just come naturally in their development yes. or do they have to fail first or? Well, it, the, the idea of being able to comes naturally, but whether they actually do it or not, that's, that's a matter of the will. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. There are a lot of, there are a lot of people, I'm, I was going to say students, people who don't ever want to think about it. And so they don't Okay. because of their fear or because of, I don't know what, and, and it, um, and it's to their detriment, right? How, how many, you, you have to think about the future. And the decisions you're making now and how that's going to affect your future, you have to, because you're, it's, your life's not going to be that great. You can keep kicking the can down the road. You know, we, we're doing that as a nation. We keep kicking things down the road and we know it's going to end up horribly. Right. But we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. We just, let's just not talk about it. Let's just keep. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Right. But we have to, <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm not, I, I have no control over the future of the United States of America, but you know what I do have control over is myself and my decisions and my family. We can talk, you know, yeah. and that, and that's the important thing. And I want to, we want to teach our young people then how to be prudent. Yeah. Right. So as we close out today's conversation on an introduction to the moral virtues and specifically the moral virtue of prudence, you know, tell us Mr. Young about the relationship between beauty and prudence. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Because I wrote it down on our notes. <laughs> yeah, this is this is weird. Like so, so practical wisdom. This this prudence has this idea of. So there's you're making judgments about what decision to make. Yeah. Right. And and there's this because we are made in God's image. You know, human beings. Um, that we can apprehend truth. We can know the good, and we can um, see the beauty. Right. Yeah. We talked about beauty in the transcendentals episode. And one of the things about beauty is, is that it, inv it involves apprehending unity, uh, harmony and proportion, right? Wholeness and radiance or clarity, right? Those, those things. And, and part of, um, part of beauty is a way that, that you can judge the outcomes of our decisions, right? So if, if you make a decision about something in your life and the outcome of that is uh disharmony 
or there's this mm. there's this disproportion in the way you're living your life. Yeah. Um, probably wasn't a good decision. It probably wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. So, so just that, that idea of, um, of, uh, that, that how it comes out, how that those decisions come out, is it, is it making things more clear about what the good is? Yeah. Is it, um, is it making a, 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 a proportion in your life that, um, seems to bring a, a balance or harmony to your, to your life? Then, then those things are probably uh, probably good, right? Yeah. So this is this is probably as we aim for uh, truth and goodness, right? For God's glory, um, be- beauty is usually the outcome. Yeah, right. And and so this is one of the things about um, I guess part of teaching with beauty, truth, goodness, and beauty in mind is that is that students are able to see that. Right. And, and if, if we can kind of if we can get used to seeing that it's uh, it, it helps us with, uh, I guess, reinforcing our, our decision making. Now, now that doesn't mean that a beautiful life isn't one that's absent of suffering. Right. That's a that's different self-suffering that comes from poor decisions. That's that's a that's a bad thing. And, and just to add, because I had a conversation with someone very recently about, about this and why beauty, I think, is important. Mm is is in my opinion as we live in a world that that less and less believes that there is really a truth out there yeah um trying to convince people in terms of evangelism or apologetics is is going to be a harder task but if we're working on developing a beautiful culture Right. As as the gospel is lived out in and amongst the church. Right. And its people and and people can see a unity, a harmony, a clarity of, yeah. of purpose. They, they can see some, like that's attractive. That kind of beauty is attractive. And be, because it, it only comes when there's truth and goodness. That's going to have a great claim on on people's. Um, thinking through the gospel. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so I, I think it's important for us as parents, as uh, educators to, to think about guiding our kids in that idea about how they're making judgments, how they're making decisions. What is this? How does this fit in terms of circumspection and, yeah. and foresight that those ideas of, of beauty um, and, and aiming for that? Okay. Because I think it's, it, it's, it probably wasn't as important in my day and age yeah. because we still believed in truth. You could still win an argument, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I, but I think, I think that understanding of, of uh, harmony and, and unity and clarity and, and proportion are, are, are really, uh, if it's not a huge deal right now, it certainly will be in the coming um, decade. Yeah. In terms of evangelism and knowing the truth. So that's, that's my little plug there at the end. Um, But yeah. Right on. Well, this, this has been great. So introduction to the moral virtues and today we delved into prudence. So uh, tune in next week for another episode. 